Good morning again, church. Hey, I'm Andrew, the lead pastor here at Coastal Church in Chesapeake, and it's so good again to be with you this morning. Hey, there are so many reasons to start off the new year feeling overwhelmed. Two major wars raging right now. Wars and rumors of wars increasing. It seems like America is getting more and more involved. Interest rates are still at the high ends. Gas prices fluctuating again. And I've even heard more and more teachers and students talking about how that delay in that COVID year has caused a delay that everyone's feeling even right now in this year. And some of you might even say, well, that's what's happening out there. But I would even ask you, what about what's happening right here? What's happening right in your own heart? You might even say, Andrew, well, there's lots of problems out in the world, but I got my own problems right now. Come on, does the new year already feel like it's overwhelming? Today we wrap up our series called Anchors. And we started all this series by asking you the question, where is your heart anchored? Right now in 2024, where is your heart anchored? Man, looking at how Jesus would anchor his disciples in who he is. From now until eternity, he says that I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Last week we talked about how we asked the question, is your heart anchored in the word of God? Because sometimes we can think our heart is anchored in the word of God, but is it actually anchored there? Because the word of God is an anchor for every single season. It is God's word that gives us direction. It gives us discernment. It is his word that helps us to know that even our greatest enemy, death, has been defeated. It's been swallowed up in victory. It's through his word that we have this anchor for every single season we're in. When was the last time you actually followed it, obeyed it, and actually followed through with what you read and heard and it was taught to you from God's word? And this week, I want to start by asking you this question. Is your heart anchored in the vision right now? The title of today's message is Anchored in the Vision Now. Today, we're going to look at some passages, primarily in Revelation chapter 19. We're going to see this future picture of the church, the vision that God will give to John to show what the church will be, to show where the church is going. But also we're going to look back on the mission that the Lord gave his church that was leading to the fulfillment of this vision. So today we're going to look back, then we're going to look forward, and then we're also going to keep looking forward at the incredible vision that God has for his church. Church, right out the gate, I want to challenge you that you would anchor your heart in the vision that God has for his church right now. And how many of you know that the vision that God has for his church has little to do with these buildings and structures that we gather in every single week. Because the church isn't a building, it's you. If you are in Christ, you are the church. If I go to turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 19, and while you're turning there in your Bible, digital or analog, here's just a couple of revelation facts that I wanted to give you this morning. You don't have to write these down. You can if you want. But it's always good to know where we're at in the Bible and what is happening in the moment that we're going to be reading in Revelation chapter 19. First, Revelation was written by the Apostle John. 
Look, even in that note right there, look, I want you to know that Revelation being written by John, that John was an actual real person. John was a first century follower of Jesus who really did walk and talk with Jesus. Sometimes we we forget that the Bible is actually written by real people, directed and guided by and protected by the Holy Spirit as God preserved his word. So John was a real first century follower of Jesus who really did walk and talk with Christ. John really did see Jesus do all these incredible things. Man, John really did see Jesus and hear Jesus say some of these things. And John really did write some of these things down. In fact, in his gospel, John said Jesus did so many things, he couldn't even write them down. In fact, nobody could. In fact, the whole world couldn't contain all the incredible things Jesus did while he was here on this earth. Sometimes I forget that when it comes to a book like this in the Bible, it doesn't start off by saying once upon a time. But this is an eyewitness account of a very real vision that God gave to a very real John who really did know Jesus. But also with the book of Revelation, it was written about 95 A.D. Now, I'll tell you that because for a book to be considered historically accurate and for people to actually know when the book was true, like if a book was written within 200 years of an event actually happening, it was considered to be very historically accurate. But man, the book of Revelation was written about 60 years after Jesus resurrected from the dead. So again, this was written so close to when Jesus was still on earth, witnesses all around who saw the resurrected Jesus. And again, who knew this John who wrote this down, where it was spread and copied for centuries, where we still have it right now. And then Revelation is also an apocalypse. Now, I know a lot of times when we hear the word apocalypse, we automatically think some type of, um, some type of horror movie or something like that. But if you go back and read Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, it actually starts off by saying this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, the word revelation is the English translation of the Greek word apocalypsis or apocalyptine, which simply means to uncover, to unveil, to reveal revelation. You see where we get it from, okay? So we want to take away some of the mystery that's in this book. In fact, um, author and pastor and theologian Kevin D. Young, he says this. He says, revelation is not meant to shroud the truth, but to reveal it. God means for us to understand this book. And I would agree with him that this is an unveiling or the revelation of where God wants his church to go. This is the uncovering or the unveiling, the very disclosure, the revelation of the fulfillment of God's ultimate plan to bring glory to himself and to save his people from their sins. And then there's a major theme to this book, okay, that I don't want you to miss as we look at chapter 19 today. The major theme of this book is that God will accomplish what he said. He will do it. He will fulfill his purpose, the perseverance of the saints, everything being for his glory, everything being made new, the enemy finally being defeated. He's going to accomplish it. And he wants his church to act like that right now. If he is going to fulfill it, that means that we need to act like it right now. 
So with all of that background in mind, come on, are you ready to get into the word of God today? All right, if you're ready, shout amen. Amen. All right, Revelation chapter 19, starting in verse 6. John says this. He says, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. You know, I thought after reading that right there, as we're going to be looking forward to where God is ultimately leading his church, and looking at where we're at right now, but John is getting this picture of the fulfillment of where God is leading his people, I thought we might bring a little bit of heaven right here to earth today. So I'm going to have you guys read this as this great multitude, okay? I'm going to have you read this out loud, even though I know it's a smaller multitude here at Coastal Church in Chesapeake, but I want to have you guys read this out loud if you are part of this great multitude right now, okay? So I need everyone to stand up if you're able. Everyone to stand up if you're able. Okay, you may want to stretch your diaphragm a little bit. But I'm going to read the first part of verse 6 again. And then when it gets to the hallelujah part, I want you to scream it out, to cry it out, as if the fulfillment of everything that God has said has come true right now. Are you ready? You guys don't sound ready, but okay, here we go. John says, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out. Okay, hold on a second. Hold on. Stop. Stop it. You guys didn't sound like a great multitude in that moment. You sound like a great baby dude, okay? All right? Think about this. Think about what John is seeing here. Man, this is the fulfillment of everything that the Lord has said he was going to do. All the pain and suffering they had been through is gone. They're seeing their Lord and Savior Jesus in his glory. They are seeing the one who's called them by name. Man, they are seeing that the enemy is about to be defeated. They are seeing that their loved ones who were in Christ, who have gone before, are with them in this great multitude. Man, they are seeing the fulfillment of everything that they've been told and that they've been taught, that they've hoped for. They have seen that their faith has now become sight. You think they had a reason to cry out? Let's try it one more time, okay? Let's picture that you're there. As loud as you can. Not yet, Mr. Roosevelt, okay? As loud as you can, okay? When you get to that part, we're going to read that whole verse together, the rest of that verse, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns, okay? Are you ready? Still not giving me much hope, church. Come on. Are you ready? A little bit better. Okay, here we go. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, For the Lord, our God, the Almighty reigns. All right, that's pretty good. You guys may be seated. I'll finish the rest. Okay, that's pretty good. Man, then the people together, they said, let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. The marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to be clothed herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. 
And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, today we do join in with all of heaven, God, and we say hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The Lord our God, the Almighty, he reigns. Lord, you reign. And yes, this is the future, but Lord, you reign right now. Over every situation, over every circumstance, Lord, you reign right now. God, I pray that today wouldn't just be lip service to you. But, Lord, it would be submission to you. Lord, your word shows us that where the church is going, Lord, you show us where we're going, the vision that you have for your church. And, Lord, we know if you have said it, it will come to pass. But, God, help us to live like that right now. God, I know this will be one day. But, Lord, help us to see how it can be today. Lord, today may we take another step toward the vision that you have for your church, the vision that you have for your bride, God, the vision that you have for your people. Lord, we want to bring our hearts into alignment. God, we want to anchor our hearts into alignment in what you've called us to do. We love you, God. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, church, today I want to give you three reasons to be anchored in the vision right now, okay? The first one is this, write it down. Here in Revelation chapter 9, God shows us a church that is, number one, united with one another. Man, God shows us a church here that is united with one another. Again, look at this unified language that is used with this great group of God's people in this future vision that he's giving to John. Look again back at verse 6. John says, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude. Now, pause right there for a moment, okay? Anytime the Bible has that word multitude there and talking with people, a lot of times it refers to a great crowd, usually a large number of people that at least in that moment, the vast number of people was so great that it could not be counted. So here's John with this heavenly vision, looking out on this great multitude. And he's saying, look, there are so many people that are part of this marriage supper of the Lamb. There are so many people who are God's people who are now with him in heaven. They're so great that they cannot be counted. This was a great multitude of people. Let me just encourage you, okay? Don't believe the lies that the church of Jesus Christ is dead. Don't believe the lies that God is not still calling people and saving people and even drawing people to himself. Look, I know there are times when churches do close their doors. In fact, I know even with the history of this church, we were almost there. There was about 45 people who remained in this church. And they knew that this church had been in this community for 132 years. And the people that remained prayed. And they knew that the Lord wasn't done, yes, with this place, but with the people. And they knew that God wanted to breathe new life and a new season into this place. So the people that remain prayed that God would do something new. Come on, breathe new life. Ruach, like we talked about last week, right? That God would breathe new life in this place. And we're so humbled that Bethel Baptist Church joined to become Coastal Church here in Chesapeake. 
And to think, man, God has been breathing new life in this place. Man, we've been using the baptistry. There's kids running around this place. There are people trusting in Jesus and developing as authentic followers of Jesus Christ. We are so grateful for the new life that God has brought to this place. But even globally right now, the church of Jesus Christ is growing. In fact, by conservative numbers, there are about 2 billion followers of Jesus on the planet right now. This great multitude even includes the hundreds of millions of people who for the past 2,000 years alone, since Jesus resurrected from the dead, have been following Jesus after hearing the gospel. Man, after they've heard this good news that there was this Jesus who came that despite our sin, man, he died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. And yes, sin is what breaks us. It causes the brokenness in us and around us. And if we don't do something about that sin problem, yes, we're going to spend eternity apart from God. Where the Bible even says the wrath of God is going to be poured out on sinners. And the truth of the matter is that God is just and he will punish sin. But again, the good news is that God has made a way. He's made a way through Christ. This Jesus who is God, he came to pay that price for our sins. The price that we couldn't pay, the death that we deserved, the wrath that was to be poured out on us, Jesus took it upon himself. And he died on the cross, but he did not stay there. He bodily rose from the dead, conquering sin and death and the grave, making a way for us to experience God's design, making a way for us to experience life to the full, yes, right now, right here on earth, but also for eternity. Man, if you repent of your sin and you believe in this Jesus, and you receive this life he wants for you, Man, you will be a part of this great multitude one day. Come on, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Are you going to be in this great multitude one day? Let me just remind you that it is the word of God that says that today, if you hear his heart, do not harden your heart. Today is the day of salvation. Yes, this great multitude is one day, but what about today? Have you repented of your sin? Have you believed in Jesus? Have you received him as a Lord and leader of your life? Man, I'm telling you, we want you to be a part of this great multitude. God wants you to be a part of this great multitude today. Would you repent and would you turn to Jesus today? But look, all around the world, people have heard this good news and they hear and hear right here in this passage in chapter 19. Man, it shows this future picture that John sees this great multitude and they are unified with one another with one voice. But what is it that has actually unified them? Look back at verse 6. I know we're spending a lot of time on verse 6, but look back at verse 6. John records this great unified group of God followers here saying hallelujah. And that phrase simply means praise the Lord. But why are they praising the Lord? Why are they unified? Well, he says it right here in the very next sentence. He says, for the Lord, our God, almighty, reigns. Look, through his love and his justice, he reigns. The church worships the Lord in this future picture because they are seeing him prove. And I would even say, just prove once again that he is the Lord God almighty that reigns in every single season. You know, this is one of the reasons why we even stress coming to corporate worship on Sunday mornings. You know, we connect to God in corporate worship. 
And when we come here on Sunday mornings, what do we do? We sing these songs of praise to the Lord because he reigns. We give of our tithes and offerings because he reigns. We receive his word and we submit to his word because he reigns. When you come together on Sunday morning, yes, it is this, you're an individual coming here, but yet there is this collective gathering unified under one name, declaring again each and every week that the Lord, our God, almighty, he reigns over every area of our lives. I don't know about you guys, but I need that every single week. I need to be reminded that I don't reign, that as lovely as my wife is, she doesn't reign. As lovely as you guys are, none of you reign, okay? But the Lord, our God, almighty, he reigns over every single area of our lives. Church, I want to challenge you, look, in 2024, not to just be an average Christian. Right now, the average Christian, the average follower of Jesus, goes to church about 1.3 times a month. And look, I, I know, I know, look, some of you, like, you have a job, like, your work schedule schedules on that time. I get that. I know sometimes you have to travel out of town, and I get that. Even I would even say if you're out of town, you can find a church to go to, you should. I know sometimes, like, you are very sick and you can't come. I, I get that as well, okay? But if you're a little bit sick, I'm okay with you coming, all right? I want to challenge you to not be an average Christian, but an authentic one. Man, an authentic follower of Jesus. Man, they develop, which means that they continue to grow, which means they need to experience this little taste of heaven one more time so they can step closer and closer to Jesus. Come on, they were gathered together, unified under one voice because the Lord God, he was the one who reigns. And I love this next verse. This is what it says here in chapter, in verse seven. As they're worshiping the one, As they're bringing him praise and glory, they're realizing the the fullness of their faith that the Lord has reigned in every single season. And verse 7, it says that the group of people, this unified group of people said, let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come. Man, can you see why they wanted to acknowledge why the Lord reigns? Can you see why they were even overflowing in joy? Because they were giving the lamb the glory that was due to him. They were praising the Lord, the one who reigns. And I want you to notice here in this moment, okay, notice that in this future picture, they are not shouting, hallelujah, President Joe Biden reigns. They are not shouting, hallelujah, President Trump reigns. They're not shouting hallelujah, well, President Obama, Bush, or Clinton, at some point they reign. They are shouting hallelujah, the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Come on, church, do you believe that today? Do you believe that no matter what happens in this political season, there's still one who reigns? His will is going to be accomplished. Come on, together in one voice, they were declaring that there's only one unifier above every other unifier, and that is Jesus. That's not just future church. Let's make it today. But let's fast forward a little bit, okay? Let's fast forward a little bit more in the book of Revelation. Right near the book of Revelation in chapter 22, it's almost like as God has given John this picture of the church, this great union, this multitude of people coming together, worshiping the Lamb together, 
This great multitude of people are declaring and rejoicing, exulting over the Lord. That also, it's almost like the church and God himself starts to look back at the church, the followers of Jesus that would come. And in Revelation 22, verse 17, this is what John records, this great multitude and the Lord himself saying. He says, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. And look, the spirit of God and the bride, that's the church, say come. Man, it is this evangelistic invitation to the follower of Jesus that he would join in the church, join with the church and the spirit, and would invite more and more people to come into this relationship with him. It's like the Lord wanted us to multiply more followers to fill this great multitude more and more. Man, it's a reminder that for us, gospel-centered unity is for everyone. It's a reminder for us that gospel-centered unity is the responsibility of everyone. Every Jesus follower should say, with the Spirit and the bride, man, come. With the Spirit and the bride, let's join in and say, man, come be a part of what the Lord is doing. In fact, this is a fulfillment of what Jesus said in John chapter 17. You remember what he prayed right before he went to the cross as he was praying for his disciples who were right there, but also his disciples who would come. Jesus prayed, look, they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become even perfectly one. And church, every time I read that, I was like, Lord, is that even possible? Is that even possible while we're still here on earth? And church, I don't know if it is, but why don't we keep taking steps toward it? May we become perfectly one so the world may know. Come on, the spirit and the bride say, come. So the world may know that you have sent me and love them even as you have loved me. And God shows us this future picture of a unified church that is unified with him and one another. Come on, are you anchored in the vision now? Now, let's look back, okay? We look forward. Now let's look back. Let's look back at how God was leading his church to come to this future picture moment. I'm going to give you the next two right here, okay? We're going to see today from God's word that God has been leading his people to be a church that is, number two, loving one another. And then number three, serving one another. We're going to see that God has been leading his church, what Jesus was calling the church to do, to actually to love one another, love your neighbor as yourself, And to actually to serve one another, to humble yourself enough that you would actually serve other people to show the incredible grace of God. Man, look back at Matthew chapter 28, verse 17. 
And it says here, when they saw him, when his followers saw Jesus after he rose from the dead, some of them worshiped him and some doubted. Which pretty much means some of them are like, man, Jesus just rose from the dead, so I'm all in. I'm going to worship him. Whatever he's calling me to do, I'm going to do. But some of them doubted, like, what in the world does this mean? I don't know what I'm going to do, even though I see this risen Jesus right in front of me. And listen to Jesus' response. And this is the great commission. In verse 18, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Again, our mission here as a church, it comes from the Great Commission, and we are on a mission to develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ. We are making disciples. But then the Bible also shows that we are to love one another and serve one another. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. And in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 15, For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law, is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Again, that's why here at this church, look, we grow in community through small groups. That's why we challenge everyone that in small groups, like you will get an opportunity to love one another in all of our awkward moments and crazy moments and dysfunctional moments. You get to love one another in small groups. That's why we are passionate about serving in ministry and in mission here at this church. That when you come and serve here on Sunday mornings, look, you make sure you know it's not about you, but it's about him. And then when you actually go outside of these walls and you're serving people who cannot repay you back, it's a reminder that, man, we are fulfilling what God has called us to do. We're moving together in mission, serving in ministry and in mission right here through this local church. But then I want to share with you one more that comes out of the Great Commission, and what God has called us to do. And that is number four, that God has been leading his church. Again, the spirit and the bride say come. God has been leading his church to multiply with one another. Man, we are called to make disciples that actually advance the gospel. Now, with that being said, I want to invite up Bethany Lay to the stage. Now, Bethany is our executive director of engagement here at the church. Um, she is a, a statistical math wizard. I was going to say nerd, but I don't know if that's offensive nowadays. But I'm telling you, church, like she is, she's someone that helps our church be a healthy church. We want to be a healthy church that grows. But she takes all the numbers that we get from all of our ministries and she analyzes them and she helps us to see, look, are we actually being a healthy church? Now, I hope you know, just like you heard Valentina talk about earlier, that when we give some of these numbers, we're not just giving them um, just for fun because every single one of those numbers has a name. Every single one of those names has a story. And every one of those stories matters to God. This is how we continue to develop authentic followers of Jesus. Would you join me in welcoming Bethany Lay to the stage?
wait a minute, this is a microphone. Okay, and we want to develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ, so a little mistake, but it's fine. So this is why I'm the there amateur and he's the pro. <laughs> um, but every, every number that I give you has a name. And like he said, every name has a story. And I'll just throw this out there. If you have stories to tell, I love collecting stories. I love to hear how God's working in your life. So as I share these numbers, I want you to think maybe about you in these numbers and people you know. First of all, the first Sunday that we had here at Coastal Chesapeake, after the adoption and everything, there were 75 people total on campus. Last Sunday, there were 205 people here on campus. That's just in two years. We started in March of 2021, and um, we've grown that much. Now, just to put it in perspective, the average church in America grows 5% a year if they're healthy. Like, that's healthy churches. That's not even including the ones that aren't healthy. 5% a year. We have grown here at Coastal Chesapeake 144% in two years. It is amazing to see what God is doing here. Now, when we look at what's internal, um, the people who attend on Sunday morning, 81% of you are in small groups. You are growing. You are loving one another in small groups. 81%. That's an amazing statistic. Most churches cannot say that. Most churches have people sitting in the pews but not participating. There are 79% of the people who come on Sunday morning who are serving in a ministry or a mission of Coastal Chesapeake. Those are just amazing numbers. And I was thinking about this as Valentina was speaking earlier, and she said, you know, a pile of salt really isn't very effective. You know, if you took a bite of salt, it would not taste good at all. But if you sprinkle that salt on food, it makes the food so much better. So as we turn to multiplying, that's just the next step. A couple years ago, I introduced the word multiplying at a conference, and it kind of stuck. And and Pastor Sean and, and the elders said, you know, we need to add that to our mission because we're all connecting and growing and serving really, really well. I mean, look at these numbers. They're off the charts. We are connecting. We are growing. We are serving But now we need to multiply. We can't just sit as a pile of salt in an auditorium. We have to take that salt and sprinkle it all around the community. So we need to multiply. 14% of the people who attend here are multiplying. That's a really low number. And so as I, as I looked at that and as I thought about our mission, I went to the elders with a presentation and I showed them an actual toolbox. And I said, the tools in our toolbox are Connect, Grow, Serve. They're corporate worship, small groups, and ministry and mission. That's the tool. But we need to get a toolbox in the hand of every single person at Coastal Church because the leaders can't be the salt for everybody. We can't sprinkle us and let everybody else be a pile of salt. We have to actually go out, all of us, and do this. So this morning when you came in, you got your Multiply Toolkit. Uh, I wanted to put a toolkit in everybody's hand, and it's not screwdrivers and hammers, but it is this. So if you'll open it with me and take a look. Inside, you have three cards. They say, connect with me, grow with me, and serve with me. It's not something where you just go and give someone a connect card and say, hey, come to corporate worship. See you later. It's come to corporate worship and sit with me. 
come to corporate worship and be with me. They're blank so that you can put the time and the location where you connect, where you grow and you serve. You can put your name and phone number on there so that they can contact you if they need to get their phone number, whatever the case might be. Now, I showed this to some, and they're like, really, Bethany? Like, I just take my phone and bump it up against theirs, and we've got each other's info. That's fine. Like, if you want to do that, there's nothing magical about this, okay? But what you can do with this is you can take each one of these cards, and on the back, make a list of the people who you know aren't in a small group. Write their name on that and pray for them every day. And then when you see them, bump them with your phone so that they have your information, okay? Write people who aren't serving. Write people who aren't believers yet, and they're not connecting to God in corporate worship. And use this as something that you can put in your purse, in your wallet, in your back pocket, to pull it out and pray for those people. Because we need to start multiplying. We need to go out and be the salt, not just sit as a pile of salt in the auditorium. All right, thank you, Bethany. Church, can you see it? Can you see that the Lord will build his church? Like, do you remember what he said in Matthew 16? Jesus said, I will build my church. Not even the gates of hell will stand against it. And sometimes it's still so crazy to me to think that God has chosen us. Like, he didn't need us. I mean, he wants us. He's chosen us. He's chosen us to fulfill his mission, to multiply disciples, to be a part of this great multitude that's going to be in heaven one day. There's just one couple more verses I wanted to show you about this great multitude and who's included in it. And as you're thinking about this next season, you're anchored in what God's calling the church to do and how you play a part in that. As you're looking at who you can actually bring along with you, I want you to look at all the people that God said is going to be in this great multitude. Look in Luke chapter 14, verse 21. When Jesus is saying, look, I gave an invitation to some people, they rejected it. And look what he said. He said, go out to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, sir, what you have commanded has been done. And still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. I want to remind you that this invitation that the spirit and the bride gives to come to multiply and make disciples. Look, it really is for everyone. Church, who is it in our community that culture often forgets about? Come on, is it those with special needs? Man, those who are maybe deaf or even blind? Like, we want those people to come into this place. Whether they're rich or poor, we want them to be a part of what God is doing to develop as an authentic follower of Jesus. And then fast forward again, and look who else is in this great multitude in heaven. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. It says, they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God, for every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then Revelation 7, 9, John says, after this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes. And peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in their white robes with palm branches in their hands. Church, what if, what if we were anchored in the vision now? What if where God is ultimately going to lead his church 
we said, right now, I'm going to participate in what the Lord is doing. What if right now, we were a church that's on a mission to develop authentic followers of Jesus? What if we were a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church where everyone can develop as an authentic follower of Jesus? What if we were actually unified under one name and one mission? What if we actually loved one another? What if we actually served one another? What if we don't keep what God has done for us just for us, but we actually prayed and we sought and we participated and we said, who else can we bring along so they can become a Jesus follower, so they can be a part of this great multitude one day? Look, as our worship team comes back to the stage, church, what are we going to do in this year? Look, we're going to be anchored in the vision now. We're going to be unified under one name and one mission. Man, we're going to say that the Lord, our God, the Almighty reigns in every area of our life. What are we going to do in 2024? Look, we're going to be anchored in the vision now. We're actually going to love one another. And look, I know we're not going to get it perfectly. We are going to mess up. Man, I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. The only thing I have is God's grace to continue to lead us through. We aren't always going to get it right, but we are going to love one another and choose the most loving thing. Come on, what are we going to do in 2024? We're actually going to serve one another. And we're going to humble ourselves. And we're going to serve just like Jesus did, even the least of these. In this church, outside the walls of this church. What are we going to do in 2024? We're going to be anchored in the vision now. Where this great multitude of people, of every tribe and every tongue, We're saying, hallelujah, the Lord, our God, the almighty reigns. So in this year, we're not going to let any political ideology. We're not going to let any racial talk that's against God's word drive us. We're not going to let any economic climate drive us. We're going to be anchored in the vision now. And with every single moment of this year, we're going to say the Lord, our God, the almighty reigns. That's what we're going to do in 2024. On, will you join? Will you be a part? What God has already declared is going to happen. What if we were anchored in the vision right now? Father God, I thank you for your word. And God, I thank you that we really do know the end of the book. God, I thank you that we really do know where you're leading us. Lord, you didn't leave us without direction. Lord, you even said that you're going to be with us even until the end of the age. And I pray, God, look, we don't know what 2024 is going to hold, but you do. Even like Ezekiel said last week, oh, Lord, you know. (laughs) Lord, you know. And so, Lord, on behalf of our church, even right now, God, I want to declare that we're going to be anchored in the vision right now. We're going to say, praise the Lord. The Lord, our God, the Almighty reigns in every moment, in every season, in every day of this year. God, we're going to do what it is that you've called us to do. Help us, Lord, to not just keep what you've done for us, just for us. But help us, Lord, to build your kingdom so more and more people can be part of this great multitude, all worshiping the land together. Lord, you never change. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, Lord, we declare your reign today. In Jesus' name.